0: This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show.
1: People say you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true
0: because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard. And you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not doing it, you're going to give up. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John. And this episode's guest is Lena Scissorhands of Infected Rain. They have a new album coming out January 7th. Um, But if you have heard the show before You know that we don't really talk necessarily about the record Uh, This isn't really a normal podcast of sorts Um, This is uh, kind of more of a loose conversation And it's going to be the last of the year too Um, And that always brings forth a lot of reflection Uh, So apologies if you're here literally just to listen to uh, my chat with Lena Which is a nice long conversation as well Just fast forward until you, you find it um, full transparency, I had already recorded an intro for this. Um, and then I kind of thought about you know the last couple of days and some of the things that have been happening in my life, and and been thinking about how there's kind of this bigger, bigger narrative maybe going on. Um, you know, with with the end of the year, holidays, all that kind of stuff. You know, we we think about friends, family. Uh, we look back on a full year uh, of our lives and you know, new goals we're setting for the new year. And something actually happened to me yesterday. Uh, when I'm recording this right now, uh, it's the day after Christmas and it's the day before my anniversary, my sixth uh, wedding anniversary. And so this time is really interesting, um, you know, with social media being what it is and, and more to the point uh, with Facebook being what it is, you can look back and you can find, you know, posts that you've made over the last, you know, however many years uh, that your your Facebook goes. Oddly, I had found a post uh, where my wife and I went to go to a bar and were waiting for a friend of mine uh, to show up. Uh, she was back in town from, uh, over out east, uh, out in Florida where she was living and was back home for the holidays. And, you know, I saw that post and I was like, oh, it's, it's crazy. Like I remember that day, I remember, you know, hanging out with that person. Um, and it's, it's kind of sad cause you know, my friend now has, has passed away, has been, uh, gone now I think for, uh, not quite a year. Um, And it was one of those where, you know, I was thinking about that just randomly. And then my wife and I went to the casino um, yesterday. And while I'm cashing out one of my tickets uh, to to get cash back, um, I had a gentleman poke my elbow. um, And he had asked me, and on my elbow, there is a tattoo of a spaceship. Um, But the tattoo was one that my friend had. And she didn't have many. And it was one of those things that, you know, it just kind of was a fun, quirky thing, and it kind of made me think of her as kind of such. Uh, and it always puts a smile on my face, kind of when I when I think about my friend. And the gentleman was like, is that a spaceship? And I was like, it is. And he goes, you ever seen one? And I said, no. And he goes, do you believe they exist? And I thought to myself for a second, depending, I didn't necessarily know how I wanted to answer it, because sometimes you you sadly kind of get into these weird conversations with people and it kind of just opens a whole pandora's box of of other shit and so i was like well i don't necessarily know that i that i believe that aliens exist but it would be very presumptuous of me to believe that we're the only things in this world so i believe there's something i just don't know what it is because i haven't seen it and then as the person walks away they make some kind of a comment and i couldn't quite hear all of it but it sounded like something to the effect of Sometimes when our loved ones come back to to visit us, we don't know it's them, and a lot of people think it, that it's aliens. And that kind of really just hit me. It was it was so so weird and such an interesting thought that I, I I've never thought of before. And the thing that's interesting about it is and you know, and I've talked about it quite a bit recently, is just going through life and kind of uh, being more present for, for moments to happen and being aware of what the world's kind of telling you. And, you know, for a couple the last handful of months, uh, the world seemingly has kind of been steering me in this weird, I don't want to call it weird, has been steering me in this, I don't want to say supernatural world but like the kind of uh this space of like tarot readings and mediums and and kind of things beyond the world we we see and we live in. And it was kind of interesting to have someone notice this tattoo out of all of the ones that are on me um and make that comment and you know to to think about how I was thinking about my friend that day and you know, There was actually a, a comment made to me a few days ago about another friend of mine who had passed away, and this person that I see somewhat sporadically, and they had made the comment that when they see me, they think of him. Um, and so it's been very weird that I've kind of been reminded of of friends who have passed um, that I used to live with, that I used to see quite a bit and had, had relationships with, and... Um, and it's weird just to kind of think of where my life has been since these things have happened, uh, since, you know, they have passed on and uh, who I've become, what they mean to me, and, and all these kind of things. And it's it's kind of fitting that it, these conversations kind of happened right at the end of the year where you, you kind of reflect on these things. But it was one where it just, I couldn't, I haven't shaken it. I'm still thinking about that. The, the comment of sometimes those that we lost when they come back get mistaken for for alternative life forms or whatever it's really interesting uh kind of makes you think what else is there um you know another thing that you know it was kind of fitting that you know this one tattoo was pointed out and made me think of my friend you know, something that I always commended her for and, and always was something, a talking point between us when we would have conversations was just how adventurous she was. Um, not afraid to challenge herself and to, to learn to grow uh, in these new experiences. And, and, you know, if something's not necessarily working, and even if you put in a lot of time into that thing, not being afraid to bet on yourself and, and go for something else that means more to you. And I couldn't really help but think of that leading up to this, you know, the end of the, the podcast, the fifth year of the podcast, the end of the year. You know, I I have a show that in name and in presentation it is very much, you know, a thing that is that exists and has been established. But this year, I also realized that the platform that I had the podcast on wasn't really benefiting me anymore and was actually hindering my numbers Um, so I ended up switching platforms recently and it was really scary because I realized I had to essentially let go of all of the accolades I had accumulated over the last four and a half, five years. All my numbers were gone. All the numbers of the episodes were gone. I was essentially starting over and it's very weird to spend five years doing something to then have to start over. But it's in thinking about my friend Megan and thinking about how she constantly would do that that it kind of takes the fear out of, of doing things. So I guess this has been a year of growth. This has been a year of loss, of change, of so many things. Um, and I've just been thinking a lot about it the last couple of days uh, leading up to the recording of this. I know a lot of what I said doesn't necessarily have anything to do with this this conversation with Lena, but I think it's kind of in the vulnerability of, of, talking to some of these people. And then there's definitely going to be some things coming up in some episodes, uh, starting with the one next week, uh, where I'm kind of venturing into not being afraid to, to kind of really put more of myself out there. Um, and it's one of those things I, f- I feel like maybe this is kind of one of the last turning points maybe for the show where, uh, instead of just kind of talking about bullshit, uh, here in the intro or whatever, that maybe this can also be a space uh, for me to connect with all of you that take the time to listen, uh, to let you all know that you know you're not alone. That the things that we go through uh, are not just unique to ourselves. That others go through it, uh, and that talking about it helps. It really does. It, it, the hardest things, talking about it helps. So, with all of that said, this is my conversation with Lena. And I will talk to you all on the other side of it. Um... Are you familiar with the band at all in any capacity? Like, do you follow the band? Are you a fan of them? I do not
1: follow the band. I just know of them and some of their songs.
0: Okay. So, uh, long and short of it in the last, I'll say, well, since the pandemic, really, uh, they had written a record. Um, Blow Teens was the last record they did. It dealt a lot with lyrically, uh, Keith's, uh, wife uh having their child and having the pregnancy complications where he almost lost his child and his wife uh just that's lyrically what a lot of the record is about uh just mm-hmm. these kind of coming to god moments of sorts and all that kind of stuff uh obviously and then they had worked on a new album pandemic happened didn't then they were like we're not going to put it out until we can tour it yeah uh, so they finally were able to put it out. Uh, they just started touring. This is their first tour back. They have three dates left, and they do an annual Christmas show, uh, which is next week. Which my wife and I are going to uh, next Wednesday. We're leaving yeah. a little bit early to get to the show. Um, and apparently, Keith has been driving separately from the band because uh, he found sobriety and is just kind of you know finding himself again. Uh-huh. And apparently they are saying that due to Keith's mental well-being, they want him to, that he's not going to do these last few shows of the tour uh, and that they are just going to have the crowd basically sing along
1: uh, in
0: his place. Keith then, as of, I don't know when I just got a bunch of texts because they're one of my favorite bands. uh, People are like, yo, are you seeing this? Keith's like uh, my brother who's in the band with me. I overheard him telling a stranger yesterday that basically they, there were, Attempts to possibly replace me. Uh, And I don't know if the the goal was like forever uh, for these Mm -hmm. three shows, whatever he's saying that uh, that it's, you know, he's the most well that he's been mentally Mm -hmm. uh, in a long time. And there's just now all this doubt about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So now it's one of those where the band released a statement saying that, you know, Keats for his mental well being. Uh, Mm -hmm. that they're going to do the last three shows without him. Keith's saying that he's fine and that it's, you know, that he is separating himself from alcohol and the behaviors of those who drink uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, what the fuck's going on? Mm -hmm. And now I'm just kind of like, shit, I have a, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen as a result of this and what we're walking into next week uh, for the, the Christmas show. And then I just saw that apparently 68, who was on the tour with them, Uh, both of the guys in the band got COVID so they're done with the tour and they were playing the Christmas show so now I don't think that's happening so it's just a lot of like information very quickly uh, Yeah, that's kind of crazy because it's it's actually something I've kind of talked a little bit about. And I guess this is a, as good of a segue into something I kind of wanted to talk to you about a little bit with, with some of the lyrics on the new record. Um, it, it definitely kind of seems like, you know, a lot of people are are a lot more um open, you know, to talking about mental health. And I think we're we're all kind of understanding how important and serious it really is and how it really yeah. affects not only us, those around us uh, immediate family and friends and so forth. And there's, I feel like some of that on, on this record, you know, the something that really kind of stood out to me was postmortem part one, the way you actually start the record uh, kind of looking over it. You know, I kind of was, fascinated by the lyrics but i kind of was really fascinated by the idea of a post-mortem you know though and for those that maybe don't know the definition is just the examining of a dead body to determine the cause of death and i found that to kind of be so profound when looking at the lyrics because i was like sometimes i don't think we potentially see that when you start getting you know your mental health and well-being in check that it kind of is the death of the old you and kind of the beginning of this new you almost kind of a chrysalis of sorts um Mm -hmm. so i guess let's kind of go there and kind of talk a little bit about you know post -post mortem and kind of uh maybe i guess a little bit of the inspiration for for the lyrics there and mental health because it seems like they're kind of tied throughout this record
1: oh yeah um i actually i'm happy you brought it up because it's a very complex song in fact it's so deep and complex that we put it in two songs, part one and part two, which is how we finish the album. And mm-hmm. um, just to bring people again in that mood and, and in that atmosphere, right? And yeah, postmortem is actually a term also used for something you do or discuss after it happened. So not necessarily mm-hmm. the death itself, uh, which is absolutely the scientific meaning. You are co- completely right, but also it's used uh, in the vocabulary. in In, in uh, it's used. It's a Latin. It's a Latin. I don't know saying two words. I think it's two words. We we wrote it down as one, but um, it's used when you say, let's say something happened, a fight between a husband and wife, and then you know they do something post mortem, which means after the fight after something happened, you talk about it or you do something about it. So mm. that's also what I tried to write about is we, we do talk or act, we act after. And what the reason why is because we sleepwalking the reason mm. is because we are not aware as people, as nation, as personalities. We are not aware of what's happening in the moment when it's happening. We, we are only thinking about it later and, and we, um, you know, dwell on it later, which is a big mistake in my opinion. Obviously, mm. we, we have to, we do it anyways, but I wish people were way more here more aware of their environment more aware of what they say i wish people would measure every single word before they you know speak it and enunciate it i wish people would think every time they insult somebody or judge somebody or hurt somebody i wish people think before they act instead of acting on impulse uh obviously that's not the main main theme of the lyrics the main theme is more like this hitchhiker, this person that is constantly on a road, constantly looking for something, never happy with what he has or she has right uh, in this in this specific content, it's a he, and never happy, so asleep and so um somewhere else that mm. it loses track of what he already achieved and he has, and it doesn't give enough um, credit to what he already achieved, forgets about people that already loves him or, again, her. And this is something we encounter every single day. I'm sure all of us can at least name one friend like this, at (laughs) least, or a family member, or maybe that's even them. And they, some of us, we... We acknowledge it, but we don't do anything to fix it. So that's a very strong, I'm I'm so sorry to interrupt you. That's a very strong, uh, um, it's a very strong thing that like actually bothers me a lot. And, and it breaks my heart because I had to feel that with very close people. And that's why I, I needed to put it down in lyrics.
0: I mean, a few things to to what you said and kind of, you know, using another one of your songs and the lyrics to it to kind of why I kind of gravitated toward kind of this, this, what I was pulling from it. Cause you know, that's the interesting thing about music. And I, and I I've heard this said a lot and I don't really necessarily know that I believed it until very recently because of my own going through therapy and kind of just learning to be more accepting of what's kind of, coming to me like the what the world is kind of presenting how people are interacting with me and so forth and kind of mm-hmm. seeing things in a different capacity you know you're the song um and i might mispronounce the the last part of it but everlasting lethargy yeah. you know you're you're kind of talking you know the line you know what is wrong with the world today you know and the part that you're saying that it's either too fast or too delayed it's almost like yeah. you know and in, in touring the phrase is hurry up and wait i have to hurry yeah. up and get there so i can wait <laughs> But I feel like so much of that applies I love to life. I love that.
1: Oh, my God. I love that. Thank you. That's perfect.
0: Well, I mean, I feel like when I heard that line, that's that's immediately what came to my head is we are in a world, I feel like, globally, that we are in a hurry up and wait world. Hurry up for what? I don't know, but I need to get there. I need to be first, as you see on the yeah. Internet, the kids. First yeah. comment. What does that do? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. And there's a exactly. lot of s- superficial things because you're just in a hurry to get through life and get these experiences and it's like but what is the point you're missing so much because you're not in the fucking moment And you know when kind of going back to the first the first song and the lyrics it's like I constantly think about you know how we overlook the you know like a lot of times you'll set a goal and you're so worried about getting and achieving these things and the status and whatever that you forget that it's like there was a point that what you are currently doing or where you are is where you wanted to be a while back, yes, but you're absolutely. too in the fucking moment and you're not paying and attention and the you're just
1: process. Yeah, exactly. The process is the most important. And, and that's what I tried to um, write about in, in in a lot of lyrics uh, in this album, not only in this album, but specifically in this album, because obviously influenced by what was happening in the world, the global, you know, depression, I guess uh, that too. But also my personal experience is people are too focused to like their goal and they are less focused on the process itself. But they don't, they don't think about the fact that, hey, what if tomorrow never comes mm. for one reason or another or for you or for the world itself? Look like what, what happened with COVID, something nobody was prepared for. You know, what if that happens? If you sit down and think, why don't you enjoy the moment? Why don't you enjoy the people that you already have in your life instead of dreaming about having this perfect human being that you think is waiting for you somewhere? Yes, obviously, if you're unhappy, of course, get out of that relationship, friendship, work, whatever it is, get out of it, move on. Yes, however, don't if you're happy, if you are in a good place, don't run after something bigger because you're going to lose what you have already and you might not ever find something better. And maybe what you had was the better, but you are so busy dreaming about this perfect land, this perfect person, this perfect job or this perfect whatever it is that you dream about that you are like missing on what you already have. You're missing on the process. You're missing on enjoying the... the um, the process, the, not the 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 way. Like, it's it's a it's a whole journey. You're missing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, something you actually just did something I talk a lot about. Um, you know, because having been doing this show for about five years now and, and over three hundred episodes and talking to all kinds of different people. You know, the one thing you just did that I talk about that I have really learned by, you know, spending the time either talking to different people from all over the world or even having to then go back and edit, or I don't edit these anymore, I just let them exist, but yeah. is something I've taken away from talking to people who are not American, not from here in the US. When you don't know the word you're trying to say, you don't just keep rambling. You don't, because you're... I tend to find that us as Americans are so afraid to look not smart on something or to know everything that we will just bullshit until we find the word we're looking for. And then there it is. And it's like, stop, think about it for a second. Think about what you really want to say, how you want to convey it and then articulate yourself. I have noticed that so much from the people I talk to from that are non-Americans, not from here in the U S and I'm like, that is so fucking profound. And I wish more people would do this, this to see and be able to pick up on other habits, good habits, good speaking habits, good communicate, communicating habits uh, that I've noticed from talking to people. But it's so, so weird. And on top of that, I feel like, and I was just watching another show very recently, uh, the real world, uh, I'm sorry, MTV, the challenge. So now they have it globally. So they have people from other reality shows across the world. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking I had this, epiphany yesterday as we were watching it with my, my wife and i and i was like i wonder if they specifically grab people who are able to speak english as as best as they can so they don't have to use like the translations of subtitles at the bottom mm. and i thought about how again how weird it is that all these other countries want you know america is the place of dream and opportunity and all these kind of things but the odd thing is is every like I don't think most of us know how to speak multiple languages to be able to communicate with other people. So why are we the best?
1: (laughs) Well, it's not about the language itself. It's about the, the, it's about, I guess the freedom of expressing yourself, which is very rare in the world, in different countries. It exists in other countries than America. America just so happens to be the biggest, uh, territorially. And it's, it gives you a lot of freedom of expressing yourself as an artist and as uh, you know the younger generation and everything. And I know for sure because I, I we started the band we started Infected Rain in the country we were born, which is Moldova, and that country is definitely not how to say it very nicely and very like gentle (laughs) it's not a good place to start something so alternative so unusual and it's just not they don't even like there's no opportunities even for generations and artists that are doing something more acceptable like pop music more acceptable for the audience i say right? right or like Any type of artists, dancers, uh, painters, tattoo artists, actors, um, you know, theater is very big in our country, Um, like music, everything, everything. People have to try opportunities in other countries. America so happens to to have a very big show business, very big. Mm -hmm. And it's probably the biggest in the world. I you know like I don't feel super qualified to tell if it is, but I think it is. Um, and like the movie scene, the music scene, everything, the show business is just thriving in America. So I think it's more because of that. It's not because of the language itself. It just so happens to be also the most spoken language.
0: I feel like the interesting thing to me, like I remember, you know, the first time. He, like one of my other favorite bands is the band HIM,
1: yeah. And I
0: remember hearing Villa talk for the first time, but hearing him not speak in his you know English speaking voice, and how because you know when he's talking in you know American press interviews, I was always like, it's again kind of slow, it's nuanced, and it was funny hearing. I think I think it was Finnish and hearing him talking boom it was so fast and i was like oh you sound totally different (laughs) when you're speaking your mother language like your mother tongue i was like it's it's so interesting when we kind of are able to see artists kind of in these different capacities and now that the internet exists and you know you can find interviews from across the world on youtube i think it's been interesting and sometimes like i don't like doing a ton of research anymore because this isn't an interview anymore. This is more like just a conversation yes. about whatever. And I think it's yes. more interesting and fun for the person who's going to be, you know, listening back to this, but Absolutely. it's I like listening to the other interviews that you or someone else has done. So I can get an idea of, you know, you and sometimes I feel like that is more of the fun thing is when, I wish I could understand. And I guess I could. I, my laziness is why I have not learned to speak all these other languages, but it is one of those that like, just even sometimes the demeanor coming out of someone when they get gets to speak in their native tongue. It's like, Oh, the cadences and the way you talk and the way you speak and the way you emote is just so interesting how you do it when you're speaking a different, you know, language, basically. It's, yeah. it's very interesting to see, people interact and communicate and just see how the mannerisms of people come out. It's very, very interesting as I get older to kind of notice these, these little things.
1: Yeah. That's another thing of uh, being aware, you know, people don't think about that that way. Definitely. We definitely sound different. We think different. Um, Languages are just so complex. Some languages are more difficult than others and more uh, rich in like, the grammar the way the grammar works the way the vocabulary works in general like you know it's just so different and like i know because i i do the subtitles for everything that we do as a band that um um needs the subtitles like tour videos or anything like that because between us you know we speak russian so if we film some interesting footage i i I do the subtitles and sometimes it takes me forever i even even though i i speak both languages uh pretty much at the same level i still need to do the research to make sure i deliver that meaning because it if you translate word to word it's not going to be the same and that's the same with speaking you know
0: yeah Yeah. Google translate has definitely taught me that some things do not traverse, uh, the language barriers a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's interesting to see, I can't imagine coming to America or a more English speaking language because we have so, I feel like we have such nuance to words. And I mean, even just regional dialect, like, you know, I've talked about, I'm originally from the East coast. Mm-hmm. East coast is a whole nother beast uh, when yeah. it comes to the speaking and the language. But then you go somewhere like down South. Like I was just telling my hairstylist the other day, you know, when we were in Atlanta, you know, I had a friend and I was like, I realized I was like, I realized you are one of the only people that's originally from here. Cause everyone I've met sounds like me, but you're the one of the few people that sounds like you that has the true Southern accent. It's real thick. And yeah. the, the way you speak and so forth is different and it catches some people off guard. But again, you just have to listen and once you listen exactly. and are more apt to not want to be waiting your turn to talk i think it's crazy how much you start noticing and how much you're actually able to take in and have just yeah. a richer existence but
1: yeah. i think that's, and that's uh, again and that's again you have to be very aware and awake in order to do that to stop yourself from interrupting to actually notice little you know words or little even sometimes um, the the way people open their mouth, you know, like Mm. we are all all so unique and that's what makes us so awesome. You know, we are different and we are beautiful the way we are. And that's what makes us unique. We might speak the same language. We might even be the same age. We might even look the same. But when we start talking, it's our personality comes out and we, uh, you know, and our knowledge everything applies together and like noticing that that's the beauty. In fact, that's what fascinates me the most in people is the way they carry themselves, the way they walk, talk, eat. That's the first thing I notice. I don't even, I don't see the physical beauty until after, Mm. you know? So, but again, that's unfortunately not the case in the world. People pay a lot of attention of the way you look first and then maybe they will find, Pay Maybe they will pay attention to your uh, character, you know, like in the way you carry yourself and the way you do things.
0: You know, you said something that actually kind of I kind of want to talk a little bit more about if we could. Um, You know, you're talking about being uh, from an an area where being in the band, being in this band, trying to create the music that, you know, makes you feel something uh, that it kind of was, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of stifling, like they don't accept that, you know, I've been reading and, you know, there's a lot, and I'm terrible with names I I would Google real quick, but I feel like that's just kind of rude to do that while I'm like, Oh, what's the band name? But, you know, we, we've seen a lot of instances. I think there was a band from Israel, I believe a metal band, and they basically had to flee the country because they were doing illegal activity by basically playing in a metal band. Um, I mean, I guess kind of my question is like, you know, what is it like to kind of do something that just allows you to emote things inside of you and and get them out and kind of in a healthy manner and articulate its art, but know that basically because of where you geographically live, it's almost kind of like I'd looked at as a negative thing, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm articulating that very well but
1: you you are you know obviously um certain countries are more strict because they have the culture of religion way more pro- profound and you know like turkey would be maybe even or israel like you said you know um Moldova is not that big on, on like, it's, it's, it's a, the religion like uh, is strong there. We have, you know, uh, Christians and, and Catholic, Catholic, I don't know how to say Catholic, Catholic, yep. Catholic people um, in, in Moldova and, and both churches. Uh, you know, I, I myself have a grandmother that is super religious um however i don't come from a religious family and and the religion itself in 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 uh moldova is not all that um um how to say promoted i guess I, it is and it isn't at the same time i guess only older people go to hmm. churches the the ma- mainly so that being said in general, it's the culture. It's the culture of smaller countries, uh, some countries of the third world and or countries that uh, have a very poor economics, so they don't travel a lot as a nation. People just don't go out, so they don't see different. They, they don't know better. They, mm-hmm. It's like uh, in the beginning, obviously, I was very frustrated. I was younger and maybe not as... Um, educated even you know to understand that hey it's not their fault that they don't know it's not their fault yes it's their fault that they are ignorant and they automatically presume that you are a bad person or a person that's been to the jail or a drug addict or I don't know a whore I don't know whatever I've been called names I've been called names and nobody really knows that you know you are a good person that speaks multiple languages that did uh, high finished high school and university that earned its living since i don't know the age of 14 is when i started working you know like mm. I'm, i i'm like all these things nobody knows that but they assume because that's that's why because they are not cultured enough and the reason they're not cultured enough is not their fault is the country's fault is the the Moldova used to be part of USSR and USSR was a very, you know, strict and closed uh, type of like thing. (laughs) I don't even know how to call it (laughs) properly that, you know, didn't allow everything else from outside USSR to come in or out just so they are unique in their ways. So our parents and grandparents grew up in that era. So that's why we can't, be too harsh on them for not Mm -hmm. understanding us, for not accepting us. It's hard, but we have to try to think about that every time when we get, you know, they point fingers at us or don't accept us or call us names. You know, it is what it is. But when it comes to music itself and art in any type of generation, uh, I'm sorry, any type of artists in the newer generation, unfortunately in Moldova is there's just no opportunities. It's it's here, it's a different aspect. It's the aspect of how poor the country is. And because of that, there are zero opportunities for artists because, you know, there are opportunities for normal jobs like being a doctor, a teacher, you know, all the normal jobs, a lawyer, you know, all those things. But everything that is a little bit different, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why not many bands make it. Not many bands really stick around for enough time to actually tour more and, and you know spread the word more because it's a super small it's a tiny country you have to tour outside mm. you, can't, you can't, how many shows do you think a year you can play in such a small country people are going to be sick of you very fast, you know <laughs> gonna be like, oh, again, these guys again yeah. you know what I mean yeah <laughs> So uh, so you have to go outside and the more you go outside and the more you tour, the more you see the world, the more you learn and the more it makes your personality and you slowly become this unique person that is not accepted anymore in that country. But I got to say time passes and people travel more The travel restrictions get, um, you know, um, go down more and more and there's less and less travel restrictions with years. You know, we used to need visas even to go to Romania years ago. We were not able to go to any European country without a specific permission from the embassy for, for each single country, Right, which is crazy. You know, and that's that's pretty much when we started. It was insanely difficult to tour. That we were touring, we would did our best to do something at least. Sooner or later, that went down and 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 it's not there anymore. So it's easier to travel. It's easier to see the world. And I can tell that there is a big difference. Like when I go and visit or go back to Moldova to work with my band, I see more open-minded people, but it's only the newer generations. The older people are still very judgmental. You know, like, for example, one of the my favorite things to do in my country is to go to this farmer's market to buy uh local, you know, food, fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables. I am vegan and Moldova is insanely, insanely good for fruits and vegetables. It has the best soil for it, very fertile. And the fruits and vegetables just taste like nothing. I've <laughs> I've ate I've, I've tried in the world. So it's very clean. You know, the actual like grandmothers, they go there and they sell whatever grows in their garden. They really do. Cause, cause they don't have enough money to survive. And that's what they do. You know, it's one of my favorite things to do, but at the same time is the most challenging thing to do for me because of the way I look, I go there and all these grandmothers, they point finger at me and they call me names. Although I could pop, possibly buy everything you're selling if you were less mean to me you know what i mean so it's extremely challenging to me to do that even though it's my favorite thing to do (laughs) it's really
0: it's really interesting you you kind of bring up you know this is the second or third time you've kind of brought up being judged based on outward appearances and it's not really something i've talked about on the show but for those that'll eventually see this it's like you know i know both you and i are very heavily tattooed and it is absolutely wild to me that some of the most horrendous shit I've ever had said to my face is usually by older people. Yeah. And a lot of times it's when I'm working, like when I'm working somewhere like in, in, you know, in the customer service field, when I used to work in retail and food yeah. and like I had a lady during the Christmas time, which is why I don't really like holidays. Cause it reminds me of the worst it, that I see in most everyone when it's supposed to be a time of, you know, thanks and and family and community. And yes. And all these things that are supposed to be joyous and it's not. And you know, one of the, like two of the most wildest things I've ever had someone say to me while I'm working, one of which was this lady, she probably had to be about 80 something was like, do you have parents? (laughs) And I was kind of caught off guard and I'm in my head. I'm trying to very quickly go like, okay, where are you going with this? So I can try to get the answer you want or whatever. (laughs) And she was, I was like, well, yeah, obviously I have parents. And she goes, well, you must not have parents who care because parents who care don't let their children grow up to look like you. And I was just like, and at the time, I didn't have nearly as much shit as I do now, let alone on my neck or anything. So it was one of those where I was just like, uh-huh.
1: You have a good day too, lady. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that was kind of it. And I was just like, yeah. all right, like whatever. And in thank- fact-
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you but it's it's regarding this specific situation. A lot of people think that the reason we tattoo ourselves or modify our body is because we want to go against our parents or we don't have loving parents, and a good <laughs> parent would keep that under control and it's actually. Vice versa, if you think about it, a good parent will be there for you, support you, and see you, not what you're wearing, not what you have on your body. What we do with our body is representing the um, alternative thinking, the artists in us in whatever way, you know? But who we are inside is the most important. And a, a good, supportive parent will see that and understand that. But yeah, but I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, again, I'm sorry to interrupt you because it's, no. it's definitely something I've been through.
0: I think it's just kind of interesting because <laughs> having had people say things like that to me, you know, like the one thing very much similar to what you said is I was, you know, I remember telling someone because they had asked me, like, about, you know, as I'm sure you get the thing too, where the meme that it was like, tattoos are a great talking point to meet strangers, which is why I regret ever getting one. Because <laughs> um, people, is, it is in I a mean, way. I'm sure it's worse. Probably, for I see it a lot worse with women, absolutely, where the people who just grab your arms and start touching you and shit, and oh, you're just like, "Yeah,
1: yeah, I
0: didn't give you permission to just start touching my body. As a matter oh, of fact, yeah. one of my favorite things that a friend and I did was we just uh, just start touching someone's cheek like that. And yeah. they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, Oh, I just thought we were invading each other's personal space. So I mean, yes. if you're going to get in your fucking arm, I'm going to touch your face. Don't like it yes. so much. Do you please stop?
1: Exactly. And um, a lot of people do that with my hair. Oh. Uh, oh my God. And it, it brings, it gives me almost anxiety because I do have a little bit of social anxiety in general. <laughs> so like, it's, it's a, it's like pretty tricky for me to like in general be in, in environments that have a lot of like strangers, even like, shopping grocery shopping i'm always like secluded the hood on or music in my ears i don't know i just have that and it's not because i hate people but it's only it's because people tend to do the stupid things and you're like what the hell yeah excuse me i even i even have a service animal she is the cutest she is the cutest
0: is she around right now
1: she she is sleeping right 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 there She's a mini schnauzer. She's extremely cute, but she is very good at her job when I take her with me. But people don't understand, even though it's written everywhere that she's a service animal, they will like invade my space to touch my dog or to touch me. And I'm like, what the hell? You know, your eye starts twitching and and you you try nicely to tell them that, Hey, you know, you're supposed to ask me before touching my dog. Yeah. Or, before you touch me or something, you know, like, and sometimes they do that in, in elevators where you're like, you can't even go away. Yeah. I I totally understand that.
0: It's very weird. It was, this is again, another story. I don't think I've ever told on the podcast, but it was something that was so profound of an experience for me that it kind of made me realize how women probably are just anywhere they go Um, in, in the city I grew up in we had like one gay bar. And so like all my friends would, and I would go cause we had, it was just a great bar, yeah. uh, shuffleboard, pool tables, whatever, good fucking time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember this one dude just kind of being very handsy with me. And I was like, I was like, I, and he kept buying me drinks and I was like, just cause you, you don't have to buy me a drink. And I yeah. go, and then after more drinks are bought, I was like, by the way, just cause you keep buying me drinks. Like I'm not going to hook up with you. Like not gay. That's fine. But like, I'm having mm-hmm. fun talking to you, but like, it's not going any further than this. Just so you're aware yeah. And then he got real handsy with me and I was like, please don't touch me. Like I've been pretty polite. You buying yeah. me drinks doesn't mean you get to just touch me. It Absolutely. doesn't give you random permission. You didn't buy a like ticket to the ride or whatever. <laughs> and then he threw a drink in my face and called me a fucking tease. And I was like, I'm a tease because I've told you the whole time that I'm not interested This in the whole time. Very vocal about it. Like just being very transparent. And it was one of the few, first times I was like, this is probably what women feel like everywhere they fucking go. Absolutely. Like I said, yeah. no, just cause you bought me something. Even yeah. after I said, you don't have to like, you're yeah. just not fucking listening to me.
1: Yeah. And, and it's not, it's not even about how pretty, the woman oh. is or how old the woman is or if you buy her drinks or not. It's not even that. It's just it, it really is everywhere. It, we embrace it as 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 women, we embrace it. Certain things are very flattering, obviously, you know, to get a compliment or mm-hmm. here and there. But just like you said, some people don't know where the limit is. You know, the fact that I don't wear a ring might not mean that I'm not married. <sighs> or the fact that yeah, the fact that I'm here alone might not mean that I'm single. Or even if I am single might not mean that I really enjoy your company, or anything like that. So it's really, yeah, it's really out there. And it's an interesting point that you bring up, because I don't think uh, many um, male felt that on their own skin, like you just did, you know?
0: Yeah, and I learned that at like, 21 i'm 37 now so it was something in the very beginning of my bar going experiences of like oh this kind of sucks and then now like i work at door at a bar and not to toot my own horn but it was like a thing where i've gotten compliments because i'll go to women and be like hey i know this guy seems like it's not like the the body language shows me that it doesn't seem like you're into whatever's going on uh, is this person buying you drinks? Yes. Do you feel comfortable with them getting you the drinks? I don't know. I'm going to go tell my bartenders that they're going to bring you those drinks that they're making. Yeah. Like just yeah. little things like that, where it's like, yeah. I'm going to try to like look out for you. But it's weird that when in all the chaos of everyone drinking the loud bar music and just loud talking, that it's wild when you just literally are sitting stationary and just watching everything that's happening. You're like, man, there's a lot of like, just the body language you can see. It's like, it's so obvious if you're pay again, it's so obvious if you pay attention to the nonverbals, but yes. so many people just overlook it.
1: Yes. I used to be a bartender as well for three years. So mm. I do know I worked in a nightclub with like a lot of loud loud music and cocktails and a lot of thing, many things going on, fire drinks and everything, you know, a very wild bar. Uh, I picked that as a second job uh, because we were actually trying to put together money to record the first record. So I picked it up as a second job and I ended up working it for three years there. So I've seen that with women and men uh, a lot, Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting industry.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, it is for sure. But getting back into the way you look, you know what's crazier to me is that some interviewers give me that question on when how did your parents react when you started getting tattooed? Seriously? You have nothing else to ask me? You're gonna ask me that?
0: Oh? Well, I mean, I like I said, it's I don't get asked those I don't get asked questions like that on this, but I do get Sometimes what I perceive to be uh equally cringy questions like I when I used to have piercings, I used to have a lot of people be like, you know women come up to me like, oh, so it is like how how many piercings do you have? What do you have pierced? And I'm like that's a really inappropriate question and if it were the opposite way, that would not yeah. be me to ask you so yeah,
1: exactly I'm
0: also gonna say like it's not appropriate for you to ask me, like mm-hmm. especially not the first thing you're literally asking me,
1: oh yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent so. I agree with you. I agree with you.
0: I I will ask this. I saw on your Instagram, like I said, when I was kind of just looking for different stuff to kind of see, you know, maybe talking points of something you've gone through. I saw, interestingly enough, you went to uh, high voltage, which is now closed, Uh, moving closer to here, actually in Michigan. I think she's going to open another one in Indiana, I think is where she lives now, or Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. Um, What has because I love going and getting tattooed when I go travel. So like a lot of the stuff like down my arm right here is all the places I've been, I get a little keepsake. Do you do things like that as kind of a reminder of where you've been? Or places no, unfortunately,
1: no. it's just every time we travel so much and we tour, it's just impossible to find time for that. Because for the majority of tattoos that you have to get, you have to get an appointment. Not many shops take walk-ins, and not many shops are really all that close to the venue. Sometimes you barely have time to get ready before the show because you've been on the road so much. So right. unfortunately, time is not on our side when we travel. I did, however, get a couple during just little things um, during touring. Uh, but i don't prefer it no because it's not my favorite thing to have the whole healing process while i'm working cuz on tour i am working is my job and it's not my favorite to be on stage like that it gives you that tattoo fever and it's not my favorite i want to feel 100% you know what i mean uh, so i prefer getting tattooed when i'm at home i prefer getting tattooed when i have less things to do i make appointments in advance with my favorite artists here and i make sure i do everything before like the <laughs> the you know from my to-do list of things to do and then so i can take like a day or two completely off to just like Because my sessions are so big. I rarely, I forgot when I had a super small session, like with like an hour or two. So it gives you, it kicks your ass. It's painful.
0: (laughs) It does. It's funny. Like I was just talking with like my tattoo, like one of my tattoo artists that's doing a portrait leg sleeve I have. And we're about at the point now where it's like the kneecap the surrounding part of the knee yeah the inner like the inner part of the thigh and kind of like right up on the other side like most everything's it's all the shit spots really at this point Mm -hmm. yeah and so it was like one of those like as we were talking i'm like man i'm sorry i am like bitching out on some of these things or like that i'm tapping out five hours in and he goes five hours and you're almost 40 and you've been doing this for a long time like there are people who like as we get older like your skin just it it changes it's it's you're not as young as used to be to where you can sit there and go for the eight nine hours or yeah. whatever and just be like bounce back the next day. He goes, it fucking sucks, it and he was like, so it's one of those like you know you say like oh I'm sorry I'm I'm only able to sit five hours for this or I'm kind of yeah. you know being antsy at the end of this and it's like it's still better than some people and it's oh, like yeah. and I think that's that's I think one of the things to me like I remember when getting sorry I'm terrible with, it's like so when I got this done this is like five hours like back behind my ear down like onto my collarbone the neck neck
1: is sensitive
0: it fucking sucked
1: the (laughs) the whole the whole back of my neck is tattooed and it goes up to my skull half of my head is shaved and i remember doing that and i i didn't even expect it to be so painful like the hairline and then where the hair grows and the neck itself is is a more sensitive area that many people think so yeah
0: But I remember 10 minutes, 15 minutes in, I was like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then it was weird. Like, I had this kind of epiphany of, like, if you get heavily tattooed and you're kind of just into collecting and and getting more and more stuff done, that it's almost, like, kind of going through the stages of, like, grief, kind of. Like, there's the denial. Like, you're like, I don't know if I can do this. And then there's, like, bargaining where you're like, okay, if I can get through, like, the next – 20 minutes then i can get a break or whatever and then there's the acceptance and then there's when you're all done with it and you're like all right i mean that wasn't so bad (laughs) but it's it's weird how like i had that epiphany like spending five hours with like someone like with their hand in my neck and just like i don't even know if i can breathe because i don't know if it's going to affect the area that's being tattooed but it is just very it's a very it's a very cathartic process, and I Absolutely. almost feel like it's one of those where I feel like those of us who kind of go through the process of getting heavily tattooed and in some of the worst spots then I kind of wonder, you know, we, we call it ink therapy. I don't call it this. I think it's kind of a tacky name, but, you know, some people call it ink therapy or whatever, and I do feel like for me, since a lot of the people I have tattooed me are friends and we have really great conversations During that it is kind of a form of therapy where you're almost kind of expelling something in the process Mm -hmm. and the pain kind of is whatever maybe you're holding on to on a a maybe spiritual level or something because that's it's the big basis of tattooing as the art form. That's sort of what it was about was kind of earning and and kind of more religious tie-ins and so forth. So I do feel like there is something there on a spiritual level that I think a lot of us kind of go through if you respect the art and kind of get you know, bigger pieces and so forth and what Absolutely. it kind of teaches you. And you. But I don't know if you have someone right after me. I know I had until three thirty, so I don't uh, know if I got to wrap this up like right now.
1: Uh, no, I have, I have some time. I have a okay. little bit of time. My next one is uh, yeah. Not until 30 minutes.
0: OK, I just want to I'm, I'm very cognizant of time because I, I don't like taking. No,
1: I am so sorry, actually, that no. the, the one before you took longer. So,
0: no, it, it's fine. I, I totally understand how these things happen. But like I said, I just hate when I'd hate being the result of something like that happening. So, um, you know, kind of segueing a little bit off of uh, tattooing just because sometimes as much as I love talking about it and just love even like inside tattoos, like, you know, joke tattoos you get with friends or whatever. Yeah. I know that for those that maybe don't have them, it kind of gets becomes that thing where they're like, yeah, cool. I don't care.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, you know, kind of, this is such a weird question, but when you were talking about having, you know, your service animal, one of the biggest things about touring that I feel like I, I just would find it so hard, you know, as as someone who has, you know, a dog, an animal as well. And, and like, it's like every, like every day, it's like one of my best friends. Um, I just can't imagine like touring and not being able. Can are you able to take your dog with yes. you? Yes, yes, because of the service animal thing. Okay.
1: Yes. So my dog is um, going to be three years old in February, mm. and basically, the time when she got into my life was um, the year prior to the pandemic, and mm. I only had technically two tours before the pandemic happened between like the time I got the dog and then the pandemic happened. So two tours where I didn't bring my dog with me. I didn't even know about the, the whole idea and everything that's behind having a service animal. Cause I mean, I just never studied it. I never needed it. It's just, it is what it is, but something really drastic happened to my life and to me specifically in 2019, which is, which was exactly a couple of months after I got the dog and I was on tour. It happened while I was on that first tour. Uh, after I got her, it happened. So I had to deal with it while working, while being on the other part of the planet from where I live. It wasn't easy on me. It still isn't. I'm still dealing with it. Honestly, to be like fully honest, it takes a lot of time to deal with certain things. But when I came back and I was like kind of putting my life together and trying to live again I realized that I need therapy. Mm. So I was first talking to some friends that are a little bit in, in, um, in the, you know, I wouldn't say in the industry, but they, they are aware about all the psychiatrists and and therapists in general. Like I have a couple of friends from my country that are studying the matter. um, And they were like, just telling me what type of therapy in their opinion, I have to, to try. Right. I read a lot of books on it and everything, but it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And then I went to my second tour and I asked my best friends to look after my dog. Um, They absolutely love my dog and they have kids. So I knew she's in a very good place. She has a lot of backyard to run around and kids to love on her. So it was awesome. right? And my dog, even before she became a um, service animal, she was a very aware and a very fast learning dog. Mm. I didn't have many animals growing up. I only had one dog uh, really for years and and then like a couple of cats. But so I didn't know. I don't know. In my opinion, dogs are way more like they don't pay as much attention. They are just playful and stuff like that. But I was wrong because I just didn't, I wasn't uh, around too many dogs. Mm. So, but this specific breed or maybe this specific dog just, Blows, she blows my mind every day. Like, she's so focused, she's so here. And I actually learned from her a lot too. And she was there. And that tour was very difficult for me mm. because of what I was going through and not having, you know, my best friend and, and like this little creature that loves you no matter what. Um, it was very difficult on me. And then when I came back, that's when the reality hit me the most. Uh, Because I was going through a divorce and it wasn't easy on me for many reasons, many aspects. Um, Although I I did accept the reality and I was just going through it. You know, it's a process. Um, Yes, she was there for me and I I realized that it was difficult for me to even go out without her. So I had, so I, but still I'd never thought about Mm -hmm. really like, that she could be with me all the time. I, I didn't know it was possible, honestly, because as I say, I'm not from this country. This country gives you certain possibilities that are not all that common in other countries. Uh, you know, service animals are uh only um common for blind people in our country, for example. Right. You know, they don't understand that a mental illness or a mental um Situation I don't know mental state could be yeah. sometimes worse than a physical disability they they don't understand that as much. Some do but not everybody in order to accept this as a legal thing. Uh, in fact I can't uh, when I travel with my dog in my country I can't go to any um, grocery stores or even restaurants un- unless they have outdoor sitting and have my dog with me. It's Hmm. it's challenging. I I can't do that. They don't accept it. But Hmm. anyways, that being said, uh, going back to it, I did have therapy because again, what I was going through kicked my ass really bad. And um, that's the first thing that the therapist actually brought up was, hey, in order for you to function as a human being in a society, you might want to consider to have your dog with you all the time. And I was like, how do I do that? And he's like, well, there are specific schools for that, but I will talk to my colleagues. And, and we actually had a a conference call with a couple of therapists and because of my job and what I do and how I put my emotions on the paper and how I go through them so much, every single time I'm on stage, they all agreed that I need a service animal and they, uh, w- what they do, the process behind it is that they give you this specific letter. It's, it works almost like a um, prescription when you buy a medicine. It's almost right. like a specific prescription from a, your therapist that you take to a specific school that trains service animals. And you mm. go through that training, which is absolutely necessary. It's insanely necessary for both the dog and the owner. And it gives uh, you the opportunity to bond on a different level and to understand each other on a different level. And that's what we did. And that's something I was able to do also thanks to COVID because I wasn't touring. And, yeah, so that's what we did. A year and a half of schooling. And now my baby is always with me.
0: I think something that's been interesting, and I, and I just recorded the intro and outro for an episode that's dropping this week for the show. And it's with a friend of mine that I haven't talked to in a little while just because he's a studio musician now and and is now the drummer for the band Train. So his life out in L.A. is just fucking busy. And I made the comment during our chat like it's like we haven't talked in a while because I just have this weird thing where I always feel like I'm bothering people. Like even if I just send a text or like we had talked about doing this and then I I always feel like it's somehow betraying a friendship because I'm like, well, what can I get from it? And the interesting thing was in the, in the, and as people who will listen to this, potentially they have already heard me blabber on for nine minutes about it, but it was something where I said, it's interesting that my same thing that I had to work through in therapy is also the same thing I have to do with my friend, like my, my personal relationships where I feel like for some reason, because of, and kind of going back, as you were saying, actually, it's very symbiotic that it, that you brought this up because of, I think because of my age and when I grew up, you know, it was a lot of, you don't, like, if you're having a bad, a, oh, just, you know, tough through it. Get through it. Yeah. You're going to get through it. Or if you did something and it was constantly, you know, I got an A on this in this class. Well, you didn't get an A+. Plus. And yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, I understand that the, the sentiment behind it is you can do better. Don't be complacent. I understand that that's supposed to be a good thing. It's supposed to instill in you the drive and work ethic to, to not be complacent. However, Mm -hmm. when you're growing up and now that I have the mental capacity to understand this and work my way through it, it's like, but it's also kind of had the adverse reaction to me where it's like, I then at times don't feel like I deserve things either because it's, I see someone else. I'm like, well, they are the a plus student in in a shitty. Mm -hmm. But it's funny though, that I feel like, in talking more about therapy with people and talking about learning how to find yourself and how to be happy with yourself on this show i feel like it is a greater service you know something my dad actually said that was really profound one day and i kind of was like stuck with me and i was like wow you know he made the comment you know it was like well you know i started listening to some of your episodes and it's really interesting to hear you talk you know like as someone that i know but i don't hear i don't we don't have these conversations so it's interesting to hear you have these conversations what do you do you feel like you what do you do with this platform you've been building and i was like the fuck do you mean a platform i was like dude like maybe 400 people listen to every episode that's not a platform and he was like well i mean if 400 people showed up in your house or whatever like if you were abandoned 400 people showed up like that'd be a pretty kick-ass show and i was like yeah
1: he's right yeah yeah
0: And then the more I thought about it, I was like, fuck, I guess maybe I should talk about at times something else a little bit more bigger than just, so you put out a new record and and how are you looking for, what song are you excited to play live? And, you know, all these remedial questions, but since going to therapy and just kind of being more of this being a conversation, I feel like I get so much more out of this for me. Like I haven't done one of these in three weeks and it feels like I haven't gone to therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's very weird how doing the intro for that thing kind of was almost this weird therapy thing for me where I was like, I guess I suffer from a little bit of imposter syndrome for some reason. I don't feel like I belong in this world that I've kind of somehow navigated and found myself in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like through talking to people like yourself and everyone else, I feel like we all don't feel like we belong. And that's kind of the the weird bond we all have. Yeah. it's very, very weird.
1: It is weird, but it's very true. And it's cathartic. Just like, just like you said, mm-hmm. just like for me with the music, you know, uh, I have this conversation with my mom as well. My, you know, my mom doesn't speak English, so she doesn't really understand what I write about. Sometimes she asks me, especially if it's a song, you know, that she saw the music video for. But I do have a song called Orphan Soul that s- talks about family. And even if you don't know the words (laughs) and you just look at the music video, it's very obvious. And my mom was very sad about it. You know, she was like, why do you have to dwell on your past? Why do you have (laughs) to, to sing about it? It's the past. It's not who you are, blah, 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 blah. Right. And she's right. However, I had to bring her attention to the fact that we are who we are because of our past. And, I accept it. I embrace it. And the fact that I sing about it actually helps me go through life. And it's therapeutic for me. And it's, yes, it's painful. I still cry sometimes when singing that song or another song that has such painful, you know, beginning or reason or whatever. Um, but when you do so, it cleans you. It's some sort of, it's very important for me. And, and that's what keeps me sane. And I had to teach her that i had to like bring her attention to this other aspect of the pain you know Mm. um because my mom is very dear to me but obviously we have a big difference difference in age and the way we grew up and everything is very different you know she's not into metal at all but she supports the band very much she knows how much it means to me she comes to the shows and stuff but yeah she is sometimes curious why do i have to scream instead of singing You know what I mean? And I have to explain to her, mom, it's just another way of singing and it's another way of expressing my emotions. It's just a different genre. And then they see that part. And, you know, obviously, and, and, and how therapeutic that is and how important that is for us to, even if it's a topic that actually hurts, you know, but people, a lot of people on this planet have the um, belief that, it's better to forget about your pain and just (laughs) close that door and never open it. I am part of the, the the people that believe that don't bottle shit and don't close that door, let it open, embrace what you've been through. Because if you, it's going to build up, you're going to explode. It's going to be worse when all of a sudden out of nowhere, you are depressed or you think of suicide or no, no shit. You've been emotionless and not talking about your pain and not embrace it. People do not accept the fact that it's okay not to be okay. If we're going through something, take that time off. It's okay not to be okay. That will be better for you later. And you'll be going to be stronger than you've been like, I got the shit. I'll close this door, whatever. I'm, I'm invincible. And, and this shit didn't even touch me. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's talk in a month or a year or 10 years. Let's yeah. see how th- that didn't touch you.
0: Well, I think that was, that was kind of the, one of the interesting things about for therapy for me was like, part of it was, it was, it's so weird. It, it I shouldn't actually weird is a bad word. I feel like weird is a bad word to describe going to therapy because I feel like it's so transformative at least it was for me and it was it was a very quick thing like thankfully a lot of the things I had to deal with were I would say surface level things but a lot of it was being in my own head about stuff uh cognitive therapy behavior or uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is what I really went for but it was one of those things like you know she was like well you're solving all these problems that don't fucking exist like you're 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 looking at this one problem, but then you're feeding it all these other things. And in one of the pieces of homework I had, it was a a cog. So here's the middle wheel. And then you were supposed to write a problem. And then like there was seven branching cogs. I looked at that and immediately was like, oh fuck, I get it. Like if I don't do, if I don't think about these other things, the one doesn't turn all the rest. Yeah. Totally get it. All right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But it was funny going through with like the homework you know, like as I said earlier about how something I've learned from doing this and talking to to people that English may not be their first language is to stop think and articulate. So, same with my therapy. Like, you know, I had access to a therapist thanks thanks to the pandemic. You know, things like BetterHelp, uh, where you can do therapy very much like this, um, sitting in your own home in the comfort of your own home and just kind of talk your way through things. It was really interesting to see how. I could have access to her whenever I wanted, but I felt like that was almost a crutch. And so a lot of times what I would do is we'd have our session. We would do it again the next week. And in that week, I would just see how what we've talked about correlates in my life, how it presents itself being present for not thinking about a million other things at once, but being and focusing on what's literally in front of me. And it's so weird when you kind of get that one tool, how it has just changed my life ever since like i had an uh my car broke down literally in the middle of like one of the busiest roads here in in town and normal me would have been like okay so what's wrong with my car uh do i don't do i have the money to like i would have thought of a million things and i just stopped for a second and i go what can i do right now what is what information do i have i go my car is not working okay what do i need to do i need to get someone behind me so at least traffic doesn't come and just slam into me Cops are literally police stations right next door to me. I'm not going to call 911 because I can just call them. So I called them. Someone came and I go, next, I need to call a tow person. Then I need to call my wife. And then from there, like, I'll deal with shit as it goes. And it's so crazy that even in the chaos of what was literally happening to me right then and there, I was able to kind of be in the eye of the storm and just kind of deal with the shit. And then it wasn't so bad.
1: Exactly. That's amazing. Thank you you for bringing this story up. Thank
0: you. Yeah. And it's, that to me is what therapy for me has really taught me to do is even in the middle of the shit, just focus on you, what you can handle. And you'll be very surprised at how you yeah. are able to work your way through seemingly horrible things. Absolutely. And I, and I know that's a very broad statement. Like if no, you have deeper it, things that are, are there, yeah. I'm sure it's going to take more time, but at the but core of it, that's really what it hands. is. It's yes. our
1: happiness and unhappiness. It's in our hands. we are more capable than we think we are, you know, and I tell that even to my friends, I have, you know, um, all the time being like, don't overthink, think about what is in your power and everything else that doesn't uh, depend on you. Let it go. Because, and think about now, don't think about things that don't uh, depend on you because you will only um, get overwhelmed, overworked, burned out, for no reason. Because this shit doesn't even depend on you. And trust me, I learned that in a very hard way. I learned that with my musicians from Infected Rain. In the beginning of our career, for the first years, whenever we were on tour or anything like that, I was all over the place. I was—I thought that everything, I can control everything or I can um, uh, be in charge of everything. Although I am not a person that loves to be in charge. I actually prefer somebody else to take care of me. But I just so happened to be the oldest in the family. And I had to always kind of take care of my sisters, help my mom. And I always been like that. And the band, I'm the one of the original band members. And if I didn't do certain things, especially in the beginning of the career, nobody else would have done it. So I felt like everything is on me, right? But as time was passing, my musicians, my boys, they learned how to do certain things and how to deal with certain things, even if they are above their pay grade so we had fights we had serious fights when they were like don't go go do you think? let us deal with this or stuff like that and i would be like i just want to help i didn't mean to make you feel in incompetent i didn't mean to make you feel weird i just wanted to help and but i was doing worse and that help wasn't needed it wasn't appreciated it was hated. They were hating on me. It was pure hate. I'm telling you, I I went through times where I didn't talk with certain members of my band because of that. But then I realized it is kind of my fault. Yes, they could have been more gentle with me. Yes, they could have, but it is kind of my fault. So I worked on that and I still work on that because I still, we are all, you know, as I said, we are human beings and we make mistakes no matter how, um, how much we, Study, learn, read, we still make mistakes it's it's in our habit, but if we stop for a moment and just like you in your situation with the with a car situation, and you're like, "Okay, what can I do now before I panic, what can I do so that's how I started working. in fact, this is how I function. If something happens to me, I sit down, I solve the situation first or as much as I can, and only then it actually it catches up to me and then I start either crying, panicking or having nightmares. This is the way I work. Um, And that's something I can't control yet all that much, but maybe it's better like that because I learn also to let it happen. Mm -hmm. If it catches to me, if I'm sad, depressed, if I want to cry, if I want to be alone, I give myself that time because I, I had to put my shit together and go through that first. So now I have to be like okay now this is the consequence. You know what I mean? So yeah. definitely definitely very good quality and some it's something people should sure ha- definitely have to think about more, learn more. I as I said I have dearest friends and family members that do that and I have to tell them. Even my mom does that. You know, and 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 she's older and you don't want, you know, your, your parents to have physical issues and health issues because of them being stressed all the time. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's one of the, it's one of the greatest things I think for me, like just, and I, and I wish, I hope actually that, people who listen to this, maybe when they see you coming up, uh, they may be like, oh, we're going to, this conversation is going to be about the new record. Cause that's probably what most of your press junket is going to be. <laughs> but I hope when I have people on and, and they're willing to kind of get in the weeds with me at times with some of the shit and just kind of talking about real life things that we, we've all gone through, you know, maybe the, the way that we are looked at by most normal people who don't, you know, look the way we do or choose to look the way we do. Maybe that part of the conversation, maybe someone might hear and go, Oh fuck. I do that. Sometimes I do that to people sometimes, and I've never realized it. Or maybe someone will catch this last little bit that we've been talking about where it's like, you know, the change comes from within and you have to start there and then, you know, Mm -hmm. apply it outward. And it's crazy to see that when you kind of are able to do that and, and try to be the change you want to see in others with yourself, that it starts changing the rest of the world around you. Yes. And that maybe it will give, I don't want to say permission, but maybe it'll give someone hope that they can get resolve or answers that they've been long looking forward to tackle the issues that they have themselves. Absolutely. Um, So I know you got another one in 10 minutes. I'd like to give some people uh, a reprieve to go to the bathroom or whatever. So they're not (gasps) a prison to this, this press junket. So thank you very much for uh, taking the time and talking with me. And uh, is there anything that you would like to plug uh, online, your socials or anything?
1: Oh, Yeah, I mean, our new record is coming out on on January 7th, and it's our fifth album. We are super proud of it. So I invite everybody to not only give it a listen, but give it multiple tries. It's a very emotional and very raw uh, album, Uh, more than ever. I mean, I think all our music kind of is, but this one is a lot. And uh, please be very open-minded and give it... Multiple chances, multiple lessons. Uh, other than that, thank you for the support and thank you for this beautiful uh, conversation we had for like an hour. It flew by. I didn't. I <laughs> can, can't believe it. It was an hour. Uh, please uh, send me this link so I can share it. We touched a lot of topics. I try to write about and talk about uh, with close fans and people on Patreon and whoever you know is more interested in this aspect of. You know me or as a human being, or me as an artist. So I'm very happy that you brought this up. Thank you so much, John.
0: So that was my conversation with Lena again of Infected Rain. Uh, first and foremost, want to thank her for taking the time to uh, to have this conversation with me. Uh, it was one where you know I, I constantly say, you know, I, I never know where these conversations are going because I, I don't prep for them. I just you know we have a conversation. And I know a little bit of it started off, uh, obviously, with the the Every Time I Die conversation, uh, which at the time of me recording this, I had literally just read what was going on. Uh, Obviously, a lot of people know it's my favorite band, and I know it may be awkward to kind of leave it in, but I realized that we were able to use use that as a talking point about mental health and and just kind of uh, dynamics and and social media and, and how perceptions kind of start formulating before we know anything, uh, and public opinion and so forth. And it just was one of those where there really wasn't a way for me to cut that out to kind of not talk about something that we didn't need to talk about, because it gave birth to something that I thought was a great launching point for the conversation we had. Um, and the places we took this conversation, you know, especially talking, you know, about you know Lena and and the rest of Infected Rain kind of growing up in Moldova, and not having—I I don't want to say not having a community, but not having a feeling like they have a community, like maybe we do here. I'm going to say just generalize here in the states, where we have these scenes, you know, these local scenes that are supporting of artists, whether they be musical artists or arts or whatever, any form of creativity. Uh, and to, to kind of be raised in an area where you don't feel that, I think, is very it's very interesting. Um, it's not necessarily what I'm used to, and it's not necessarily the story I hear. Um, so to see how Lena and her band have been able to, to persevere in spite of some of these things, I think, is really interesting. You know, I, like I said, there's a documentary, and I still... I have not looked it up, um, but I know that there's a documentary, and and we've heard the stories, you know, going on, you know, such sites like Metal Sucks and so forth, uh, sharing these stories of people in like Muslim countries and so forth, and that they literally are terrorists uh, for playing metal, and, and it's just fucking wild uh, to to know that something that you do that inspires you, that gives you passion to to be a creative person that there's people that in your country or wherever you live would look at it as something that should be illegal. It's just, it's baffling. Um, and it really kind of goes to show how important being able to, to, to get these feelings out in some capacity. Um, you know, even talking with uh, Lena about, you know, her, her service dog and, and the process of training her dog and, uh, all of the things that it has afforded uh, her in her life and, and allowing her to, to grow and start moving forward with some traumatic experiences I thought was also interesting and was one of those where, you know, I definitely understand um, having, you know, we're approaching as of what I'm recording. Uh, we are literally a few days away from the third anniversary, I guess now, actually, of me having to put down my dog uh, literally on New Year's Day. And it was—it's weird, um, you know. It's one of the worst feelings uh, ever. To this this sense of loss. Um, I assume it's—it's it's exponentially worse with you know close family members. But it's like, aside from your parents, maybe, or or a brother or a significant other, I feel like dogs are, are the ones that would be the hardest because it's like they literally are like your everything. Either uh, they're a part of your daily life, they are there for you, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. And I know at least for for my dog with Allie, she, I got her when I was in my young 20s and she was one of the first things that made me learn to put something else before me. Um, she was around for some of the worst things I had gone through uh, in relationships and in my personal life, was there for all the good things, made me smile, made me happy. And to, to lose that so unexpectedly was really tough. And there were a lot of firsts that you kind of go through and you, you just don't know how much just even opening the door to your house and knowing that your best friend is on the other side like I sat in front of my door for a solid 10 minutes with my hand on the handle and I wouldn't open it because I knew if I opened it then then it was real she was not on the other she was not on the other end of that door and she never would be. It's, it's shocking how much we love our pets, how much we love our friends. And, uh, I don't know. I know I didn't necessarily mean to make this intro and these outros kind of so heavy, but like I said, um, I've been thinking a lot more about the show and and thinking a lot about the experiences of what I've been going through and and something I just kind of kept thinking of, and especially as I was going back and listening to, uh, an episode of uh, Marin, WTF, you know, I was thinking to myself um, that I love how he puts himself out there with through whatever he's going through. But at times, someone may find that episode and find that intro and find the vulnerability of Mark and subsequently his guests as well. And they realize that they're not alone. And I think at the end of the day, that's that's all we really want. We we don't want to be alone. No one wants to be alone. I mean, we we say we do, but we don't. And I realized as I listened to some of these other things and the thoughts I have, I could make a real quick intro-outro for this, and it'd be fine. But I feel like because I already did that today, and then life shit happened, and then I kind of thought more about things, I realized maybe this is the opportunity I need to take. To be more present uh, for everybody that maybe listens or continue on this path, I guess, of, of growth and and I don't want to call it enlightenment, but it's, it's something. Something's happening to me in the last eight months uh, since going to therapy, since kind of tapping into some of these things that I'm starting to notice a lot more. And I feel like at least if I maybe start being honest on this, that it will allow at least me to look back and, and see the progress or, or kind of hold myself accountable maybe in, in some capacity, but um, that maybe it'll give you the listener permission to kind of start doing these things too. Um, <laughs> man, what a way to end the year with this episode. I, like I said, I didn't necessarily expect it to get so heavy. Um, I will definitely say uh, the next two episodes uh, are, are, kind of going to get that way. Um, I know the one with Sean Z from X Chimera, DAF, uh Cinesasium. We get into some real shit in that conversation, and, and it's still stuck with me. Um, and I think it's kind of why I'm doing this, actually. Kind of start wrapping this up. Uh, it feels kind of cheap to plug, you know, socials and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, if you would like to keep up with Infected Rain, you can find them simply enough at InfectedRain.com. That should be the landing page for everything you need to know about what they're doing. Tour dates, socials, all that stuff. Pre-orders for their new album, again coming out January 7th. Uh, if you would like to find them on Facebook, it's Facebook at Infected Rain. Instagram at InfectedRain underscore official and Twitter at InfectedRain. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Lena, she has a Facebook. It is Facebook Lena Infected Rain. Instagram at Lenna Scissorhands and Twitter at Lenna Scissorhand as well. Um, Again, thank you so much for, for listening to this show, for sending me DMs, for making this year a really interesting year for me where... Starting over with scary, but now I'm kind of getting to have all these firsts again, but they feel more important because I think people know what the show is. So to have these firsts all over the first to a hundred, the first episode to a hundred, the first top five new episodes that weren't the same top five as before, you know, the first time getting to a thousand, the first, you know, 2000 downloads and so forth. You know, it means it feels like it means more because it, it means people give a shit and that means a lot. Uh, so I thank you, uh, heading into this next year, we're going to kind of take some new risks. We're going to kind of go into some new territories and I'm excited and I'm a little bit nervous to kind of step out of the boundaries of what we're necessarily known for. But I think, uh, I think it's what's, I think it's what's necessary. So for the brutally speaking podcast, I am John and I'll see you all next week with Sean Z and I hope you have a great rest of your holiday weekend into your new year. We'll see you then.